We are in a series called God Over Money. Amen. Called God Over Money. My name is Pastor Joe Marlin. Welcome to Epiphany Church. We are glad you are here visiting us, worshiping with us, joining us online. And last week we started a new series called God Over Money. And we want to look at what God has to teach us about money. Amen. Um, today we're going to look at this story of Jesus in Luke chapter 19. And you can turn your Bible there. You can read it on the screen. Um, turn, download it from the cloud. <laughs> Amen. Um, we are in Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. He was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was. But he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Lord, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray. Father God, as we think about your word and read it, I pray, Lord, that it would read us. We would open this word up, but it would open us up. That we would be able to hear from you what the Spirit has to tell us. God, confront us. Comfort us, challenge us, strengthen us, wake us up. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So last week, we kicked off the series, God Over Money, and I talked to you about exploitation, right? And we talked about how when we look throughout the scriptures... And we look at the law of God and we look at what all the prophets had said. What we see is that God is calling each and every one of us to a basic command which can be summed up in one word, which is love. And it can be breaking down further into the heart of all the law, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and brothers and sisters, that's what all the, the, the Ten Commandments are about. That's what the 616 laws in the Old Testament are about. 
That, that's what the 1,040 commands in the New Testament are about. It's just fleshing out this idea that God is love, and he wants from humanity this. He wants you to love him and to love your neighbor. But the Bible continually warns. And I know that like, you don't have to be a church person to know this verse. That the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And as we look at this series, God Over Money, we continue on a theme that is similar to exploitation. But we want to get a little deeper. We want to talk about restitution. I know that's a big word, but can we all say that? Restitution. In Hebrew, there is this concept, there is this word, mishpat. And this is the word that is the root for, in, in Hebrew also, for like lawyers, law, justice. It's all about setting things right. It's all about repairing what is broken. God wants your money to be right. In this story, we meet Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector. And I know that nobody likes the IRS. Amen? And this time of year, we got the IRS, and we got a, like, this was the first year that I was defeated. After, I think, eight or nine years in a row, I did my own taxes. But this year, I was just coming up against a wall, and I tapped out, and I said, all right, I'm going to pay a guy to do it. Because <laughs> I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> Because you do not want to mess things up with the IRS. You do not want to mess things up with the tax man. And Zach is the tax man. Amen? Zach is this guy. I, wanna, I, I remember um, we were serving with these missionaries that had served in Mexico City. And they were working with local churches. And I came to find out that the churches in Mexico City would have to pay the local drug dealers who kind of ran the neighborhoods for protection. They had to pay a tax. They, they, had to, they had to, it was corruption, right? They had to pay a little bit of money to these, these local guys that were in charge of different streets and different communities. And of course, they had no right to be taking money from the churches. And the, the protection that they were providing was only necessary because they were defending their turf and their right to make money in illegal ways in that community. But I need you to understand this. That in Jesus' day, people wouldn't have looked at this guy's act like the, the IRS, as much as we don't like the IRS. They would have looked at him more like the drug lord because this is the thing. God's people, just a couple hundred years before, were beat up, taken over by the Romans. And they were not the legitimate rulers. They longed to be free. They felt the Romans were an occupying force. They felt the Romans were there and shaking people up and just taking their money. And it was a big theme in the New Testament. And they tried to get Jesus in trouble many times. One time they asked him, uh, Jesus, you know, uh, do we have to pay our, pay our taxes? Because they know if he said, 
well, yeah, you got to pay your taxes. Then they'll be like, see, you're not, you're not really about your people. But, but if you said, no, you don't have to pay your taxes, then they knew that the Romans would overhear it and they would lock him up. And so they were setting a trap. And he took the coin and said, let me see that coin. And he, and he, and he showed them and said, whose who's picture is in car, engraved on this coin? And they said, Caesar. And he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, he's saying, listen, your situation is temporary. I am the king. Amen? I am the king. This situation where you're oppressed and occupied by the Romans is temporary. And, 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 and you can let Caesar have his money, but he cannot have your heart and your soul. You know. I remember, you know, you don't have to go to Mexico City, right? I, I, we lived for 10 years in um, a spot over in North Philly in West Kensington. And right behind our house was one of, the, one of the biggest meth labs in the area. And everyone knew that they were paying rent to the police. Everybody knew it. Like it wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like one of those Gloucester stories, right? <laughs> but it, like, you know what I mean? There's some truth. Like, it was just obvious. Do not look at this guy, Zach, the tax guy, as somebody from a Veggie Tale story, someone who's cute and short and climbed up the tree, and he was kind of socially awkward, and Jesus went to his house and loved him. It's way more than that. He was caught deep in sin. And we've had testimonies of people in our church that have said the same thing, like they were just so caught up. They started getting this revenue from a place they shouldn't have, and they needed to at this point because their lives were at risk, and that's how Zacchaeus was, right? Our man Zach was deep in the life. He was deep in a life selling out his people, a life of corruption. I, I recently heard a story. I don't know how true it is, but it's a great story, like a lot of local stories, amen? And there was, there was this bar... Uh, over on 130, and it was a place that was known to to be where the pagans motorcycle club would gather together all the time, right? And it was back in the 80s when it was just like constant every week stabbings, different kinds of problems. You know what I'm saying? Like every week it was a problem, and the place caught on fire. And the story goes, and you, you listen to some old heads in town, and they'll repeat this story, is that word caught that this place was on fire on 130 that everybody in town hated because of what it brought. And they all turned their water on so that there was no water pressure. And the bar burned to the ground. This is the point. Zach was that deep in that everybody in his neighborhood 
would turn their water on to watch his house burn down because he had sold out his people and he had robbed from them and he had brought an element into their community that was unsafe, an occupying force. He was Jewish and yet he was working with the Romans. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? But Jesus saw him. Jesus moved towards him. And here's some discernments, okay? When you get to know folks, everybody is going to tell you a story a certain way. Everyone is going to tell you when you meet somebody and they're in a bad situation or whatever, they're all going to tell you a story where there's like this filter. You know those, um, those beauty filters on Instagram and Snapchat where people will take a picture of themselves and then when you look at the picture, it's like, that's not a human face. That's like a plastic face. <laughs> like, how is that a beauty filter? <laughs> it's an unrealistic filter. And God needs to give you discernment when you hear people's stories. Because we all have this tendency. I have this tendency. You have this tendency. We tell the story. And when we tell our stories, we are always tend to be the hero of our story, or we always tend to be the victim of our story. Did, did you hear what I said? When we tell our stories, we tell it like this, we're the hero or we're the victim, and we struggle to tell the story. And listen, sometimes that's just what it is. Sometimes you are just the victim. Sometimes you are the hero. But listen to me, brothers and sisters. We hardly tell the story. We're where the perpetrator. We're where the victimizer. We're where the one who messed things up for our family, who messed things up for the people around us that we love. But that's not how Zach comes to Jesus. He is a known bad guy. And sometimes you are the bad guy. And many of us in our church, when Thanksgiving comes around and people meet around the turkey or whatever, when the stories start being talked about, we're the one, right? For a lot of us, we can identify with that. Like we're the one that was the bad guy in the story when our extended families come together. And start talking about us. But Jesus goes to his house. <laughs> right? Alright, Zach's a bad guy. I think the picture is painted clearly. But Zach is up in that tree. And Jesus doesn't look at him as ridiculous. He doesn't cut him off. He doesn't... Just, you know what I mean? He sees him in the crowd and he welcomes him and he invites himself. You know that Jesus can invite himself over? Not a lot of people can invite themselves into your life. And when they do, you better have some red flags go up. You might be the type of person that's like, I need someone to love me. And you, you know what I mean? And be susceptible to all kinds of problems because you would just let somebody come into your life. But I want to encourage you that for most people, you need to have some red flags if they just invite themselves to your house. But when Jesus invites himself into your life, you can trust him. You can trust him. 
Jesus. Here's what Zacchaeus says. Isn't this crazy? Like, Zacchaeus just calls him Lord. Zacchaeus just calls Jesus Lord. His eyes are open. He knows that Jesus is God. He knows that he has to repent. He knows that his life that he was living was wrong. And he immediately says, there's not this long buildup. And brothers and sisters, yes, we love people through things. Yes, we walk with people and their sin is revealed over years. But sometimes the Holy Ghost just grips you up and brings conviction. And you're able to articulate, I have done this and I ain't doing this anymore. I'm I'm going in a new path. I'm not living like I used to live. And he says, I am going to give half of my money to the poor. And anybody that I cheated, I'm going to pay him back. Let somebody say restitution. This is restitution, brothers and sisters. This is restoring to people what he took from them. And Jesus is able to say, salvation has come to your house. Not because, not because our man Zach the tax man walked down an aisle, cried tears, repeated a prayer, because he repented. Salvation came to his house because He rearranged his life for what's right. Salvation came to his house because he began the long process of making things right with the people that he had robbed. Salvation came to his house because he made, he was willing to make restitution. And sometimes we only hear half the gospel in church. We don't hear about repentance. Listen, brothers and sisters, Jesus paid the debt for your sin. He hung on the cross. He was beaten. His beard was pulled out. Jesus had the crown of thorns pressed into his head. Jesus was lashed with the cat of nines. He was spit upon, mocked, and he suffered. And Jesus breathed his last breath. And as he was breathing his last breath, he was giving you and I an opportunity to take our first breath of life because he loved us to the point of dying to wake us up but not to keep us asleep upstairs in the office and in our van we have narcane right we 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 keep it around we have meals we we drive people it's something if you are overdosing right you can take this vaporizer you can put it in somebody's nose and it can bring them back to life it can, it can open up their lungs. They're, they're, they're dead, but then they come back to life. And a lot of us want a gospel, brothers and sisters. A lot of us want a gospel that's more like dope. We want a gospel that just make everything shut off. Just tell me I'm going to be okay. Just, just make me feel better. And the gospel isn't just about you having this sense of your sins being forgiven. But it's real healing, real repentance, real life change, real fruit in your life. The gospel's more like drinking a five-hour energy drink than it is 
like smoking weed and just chilling and checking out. And yet we have all come to God. We sing ourselves happy. We listen to sermons. We, we, we want to go and escape from our problems. I said this a few weeks ago. We want a gospel that's an escape plan from our problems. Right? And if you go to the radio and you go to TV, what you will hear most of the time, not all the time, there is good preaching, but most of the time, what you will hear from preachers is, follow what I'm saying and there will be no suffering in your life. And usually, give money to our ministry. God will just pour out his blessing on you. And the gospel is not just your escape plan. It's a call to mission, a call to action. It's a call to get dirty, to have blood, sweat, and tears, to work for him. How was the gospel life and an escape for Zach, the tax man? The gospel meant death to his old way of life. A little bit ago, we had a gathering of men, and we were sharing testimonies. And, and one of the guys shared his testimonies, and he said, you know, I was living the Hollywood lifestyle. I, I had streams of income I, that weren't right, and I could get what I wanted to get. And I had a love of money that, that drove me. And to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ, means you have to say No. It means that you can't get out of situations easy by lying, by fraud. You can't get out of situations by just fencing some stuff. You can't get out of situations by just selling some stuff you shouldn't sell. You have to do it the way that God has ordained for you to do it. And it also will mean that it will not happen quickly. It will happen in a long period of time. So the gospel is not an escape. The gospel is a rescue plan, and it's rough and it's hard, but it's life. It moves you. It wakes you up like that shot of Narcan. And Zach had that shot, and all of a sudden he's, he's alive, he's awake, he's moved to make things right. Now, I need to be really clear with you guys. Sometimes we have been taught something kind of like penance. And we have this book that's really helpful in repentance. And uh, we got a couple left. A bunch of folks have, have it. You can look it up. John C. Miller on repentance. Great book. And he talks about kind of the, the pitfalls, some of the traps that we have, some of the, 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 the near misses of repentance. And one of them is, I think a helpful way of calling it is like doing penance. <laughs> And, and we've been taught like this in some churches where it's like, oh, you did that? Well, the answer to that is maybe you can earn the mercy of God if you say certain prayers, if you do a certain number of good works, and then the scales will tip in your favor, and then now God will love you. But I need you to know that the moment that Jesus came to his house came to Zach's house, 
He was loved. And he wasn't selling half of his stuff to give to the poor, hoping that Jesus would love him. But it was the result of the reality that Jesus did love him. Zach was a perpetrator. He was a victimizer. And yet Jesus looks at this guy who was a sellout and he says, you are also part of the family. You are also part of Abraham's children. What he's saying is what each one of us need to hear is that all of us need to hear this. Not only do you need a right relationship with God, each and every one of us long for a family, long to belong to God's people. And, and I need you to hear that you belong to God's family, but we also have to protect God's family. And we have to expect change and repentance. We, we have to. You know, this word, this word is a challenge to each and every one of us. Will God be over our money? And I know that if I were to preach this word in maybe a different context, it would be very different. Not a lot of us are like stacking up the bills. <laughs> we're not going home after church and just like, you know... Uh, what was I love that show, that cartoon, the Scrooge McDuck, and he had like a silo full of gold, and he would just like dive into it, and he would just swim in his gold coins. <laughs> and I know that pretty much nobody here has that kind of situation. You know, I remember being in a church in Africa where we had. We had people who had houseworkers in their home. And part of the gospel working itself out there was there had to be a change in the relationship that they had with the people who worked for them in their homes. Where they were demeaned as almost less than human. They had to change how they paid them, how they treated them, and reorient their lives. And it hurt like Zach like, it hurt Zach's life. It changed his life. And we kind of think, you know, maybe, maybe this dude, Zach, was so rich that he could just give half of his stuff, and then it would be cool because he's so rich. But the reality is, is that he opened the door to restorative justice wherever that led him with that, sen- with that phrase, and anyone I cheated, I'll pay them back four times. When you look at the Old Testament, there's a, there's a moving standard depending on the property, depending on the circumstances. But you would see sometimes it was a one-for-one one thing. If somebody took this from you, you should restore it. A lot of times it was about 20%. You know? So it's like some, you broke somebody's thing on purpose. You were mad at them, and you know you were wrong. This is a principle from God's Word. You not just get them the thing but put a little extra love on it. And it would go all the way up to 600%, which would be six times. But Zach Zach is like, I'm going to give back four times what I've taken. This is a guide. Listen, this is a guide for you. You don't have to be rich for it to be a word for you. If God is going to be over our money, 
we cannot run from house to house and not pay, right? We cannot just be in a spot and then, oh, man, we got to get ahead of ourselves. And I get this. You know what I mean? I grew up like this. We were in spots, and, like, we had to sometimes leave real quick, and we go somewhere else and never, like, think about paying back the place we were at. But we can't do that. Why not? Why can't we just use our lack of power, our, our poor, rough situation to be an excuse? Why? We can say we're not like Zacchaeus. We're the ones that Zacchaeus took the money from, amen? We're not like Zacchaeus, so we don't have that kind of responsibility because we don't have that kind of power. And the reason that we can't do that is because God is a God of justice. And if you are going to follow him, it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. You have to reflect his character. Now imagine this. Imagine God just changed the way how he felt about his obligation to us depending on how hard it got. Imagine that. Like we had an obligation. He, he, he said he's going to do this. He made that covenant with Abraham. And he said he's going to make his people like the stars in the sky, the sand in the sea. He, he's going to multiply. He's going to bless them. But then, but then the bill gets higher and higher and higher. Did you read the Old Testament? It's like, all of the fathers of the faith are like the fathers that would be on the Jerry Springer show, right? They all were like pimping out their girls, having like side, you know, chicks. They were all doing all kinds of stuff. And God persevered with his people. He didn't give up on them. Even though they were a mess and they were raggedy. And he kept walking with them in love. And he disciplined them, but he loved them. Why? Because of mishpat. Because of justice. And we read time and time again. When you look at the Hebrew, I posted it. You can see on Facebook. We read time and time again through the Old Testament that God is the Lord of mishpat. He is the God of justice. And we need to reflect his character whether they were rich or poor. Even if we're broke, brothers and sisters, we represent God. Brothers and sisters, you are the representatives of God to your family, to your neighbors. can't say we got out of a situation and the Lord revealed it and it was because you lied you can't do it you have misrepresented the character of God you, you gotta have, stop having testimonies praise God I, I, I was gonna get char press charges for this and that but they were all dropped but you did the thing we're always so grateful to like not be caught or to somehow wiggle our way out of situations. But God is a God of justice. We got to face, not run away. We got a gospel, not of escape, 
but one of rescue. And this is what I want you to hear. It's not that God just leaves you to face your justice alone. It's not that God just leaves you to like just suffer the consequences of all your bad decisions and there's no hope. That's not what I'm saying. He is in there in the pit with you, digging out with you. He wants to save you and change your life. He wants to actually get into the mess of your family situation. He wants to get into the mess of your emotional and mental health issues. He wants to get into the mess of your financial issues and he wants to help you dig out, but he can't do that if you're looking for a shortcut and if you're looking to do it in some crazy way that God would never be happy with. Repentance means restitution. It means making it up to folks. Now, God clears your debt of sin, which is uncountable. When Jesus came to Zach's house, he sanctified that house. Salvation came to that house. He was, Zach was loved. And then the fruit of his love was repentance. And I pray that God would deliver us because as much as I'm preaching about the need to restore and make amends and all that stuff, I know that all of us are also hardwired to think that we need to do more and more and more to be worth something. We, we need to do more and more and more to, to make things up to people. And we have this debt that's incalculable. We can never be worthy enough. We can never be, you know what I'm saying, do it in the right way where we get loved. But this is the gospel. You are loved And so now you have the pockets deep enough. You might not have the money, okay? But you have the emotional pockets deep enough, the spiritual pockets deep enough to say, I don't care, like it might take my life, but I will make things right as much as I'm able to in my life. I'm not going to ignore things. I'm not going to ignore the pits that I dug that people fell into. I'm going to face them. And I want you to know that when you do this, when you do this ministry and live like Zach and move from a spot of the love of money to the love of God and you start to really make amends with people and you start to do what's right, there is a blessing, brothers and sisters. There is a blessing that you can't even understand. There is a blessing in the sheer fact that God wants you to walk around without stress and without a guilty conscience. God doesn't want you driving around without insurance, driving around with drugs in your car, driving around with all these things and just feeling like all the time, like at any point I could get stopped. At any point I could, I could have a problem. God wants you to do things in the right way, even if it's the slow, hard way, even if it grounds you and it makes you like unable to move about and to do the things that you want to do. And you might say, but I have to do it this way or I can't move forward. And I'm telling you that with God, anything is possible. So brothers and sisters, let's not be people who everybody wants to turn the water on so that our house burns down to the ground. We represent Jesus. Let's let God be over our money. 
Let's practice restitution. Let's make amends with people in our lives. Let's pay our court fees, pay our bills, get the insurances we're supposed to have. You know, sit without, ask for help. Ask for help. You're not alone. And we're going to be doing a whole in-depth series. This is just the beginning. In a few weeks, we're going to have an interview online where I'm going to post this webinar with a brother, Ed Robinson, who knows a lot about money. And I mean, not just like Bible teaching on money, but like practical, like what do I do next? I'm in this bad situation. What do I do next? I know the ghetto questions to ask. Because I've been in different spots, and I've seen people in different spots. But I don't always know the best answers of, like, step by step what you should do. And so we're going to interview him. And then next month in April, the women are having a thing where they're going to cook together. And they're going to talk about how do you, in the nitty-gritty, plan meals. Live on a really tight budget when you have to. How how do you, we want to help you. Not just with knowledge and, and tips and encouragement and hope, but even if you're down and out and you're stuck in the pit, this is why you have a church family. We'll come together. It's better for you to admit, I dug myself into this pit and I can't even get to work unless I have this bill paid and the car insurance gets reactivated. I would rather us help you with that than you to like sit without a ride and lose your job as an example we are here to help brothers and sisters let me close with this have you ever heard the expression um you know teach a man give a man a fish right give a man a fish feed him for a day teach a man a fish feed him for life My prayer is that as we get deeper into this series on God over money, is that we would be the kind of people together where we do both. (laughs) Where you're you're sitting without any lures. I love going fishing. I can't wait. Um, I I, I had this thing where I went on to register for my fishing license and it said there was like a duplicate account. So any of you out there trying to use my identity... You know what I mean? I'm, I'm on to you. <laughs> Don't be taking my identity to get a fishing license, amen? <laughs> no, I fixed it. I just emailed them, and they fixed it up for me. But, but um, yeah, man, it, it's hard to fish when you got no lures, no fishing pole, you're starving, no home, <laughs> the rain's coming down on you. And you just feel depressed and stuck in life. And so we want to do both. We want to come sit with you, share some of our stuff, and teach you how to fish. Amen. Share with you the fish. Get some strength in your bones, in your body, and teach you how to do it yourself. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for this word tonight. Lord, I pray that... uh, It would not fall on the ground for the birds to take the seed or get choked up by the worries of life. Like we hear this word, we respond to it, but but then we get stuck in how much we're going through and we forget it so quick. Lord, let this seed fall on good soil 
and be planted deep in our hearts. And God, we pray, I pray that this series would directly help many in our church to have a different credit score in six months. I pray that this series would help people who have not ever given to the church begin to give consistently. I pray that this series would help people to to make amends, to to begin the difficult and hard process of of making amends and and, and getting their things together and, and sometimes maybe even just like living like real simple but knowing that you are enough even when we can't get that hot meal we want I I pray Lord I pray Lord that you would be with us and you would be our all in all I pray also that we would be a people that help each other out that we wouldn't just say hey you should have done things better but we would be there to support each other in practical ways and be radically generous but with wisdom oh God Would you lead us? Would you be over our money? Amen.